0: Okay, guys, enough uh, by uh, way of introduction. Here we go. And um, um, let me say that uh, um, some of you remember, but some of you don't. But at the 1st of November, I told you that I was going to do this in January. We are not studying Romans tonight. <laughs> and now, you, you ask, why are we not studying Romans? And primarily, the reason we're not studying Romans is because I'm going to shut Dale Lively up once and for all. He... All he says is Jimmy has never taught anything but Romans all of his life. So I <laughs> take this, buddy. Uh, this is for you. Um, th- that's not the. the but guys, you may recall that we took this trip to Israel, and um, and I came back and I told you there were things that we saw in Israel that all of us did that were that were somewhat off putting if not downright upsetting. And um, uh, the the one example that I used was um, well there was there was two things two brands that. Re- The the stuff in Jerusalem, particularly at the the uh, the Church of the Resurrection, where people were kissing rocks. And on one instance, one mother had her young baby and was rubbing the baby's face on this rock, on or a table or something. And it was just all these candles and it was just it was it was terribly upsetting. So that was the first thing. The other thing was the provocate the the provocations of the Muslims. That is at the Temple Mound, and if, if you ever, I mean, if you, if you were on that trip, you remember what, what they were doing there. And then at the Garden Tomb, um, which is two really wonderful sites that they're just, just about destroying. And so I came back and said, um, what I wanted to do is to address the issues of Islam and Roman Catholicism. Um, and then I, I, I gave you my, my biblical, um, uh, motive was found in Luke chapter 11 and this is something that that um, that was in my own devotional life it was in um uh Luke chapter 11 at verse 33 you, you may recall i said all this in november but uh it says your eye verse 34 says your eye is the lamp of your body and when your eye is healthy your whole body is full of light but when it is bad your body is full of darkness therefore be careful lest the light you uh, light in you be darkness and i and i said then back in november i said what is the eye Um, because it says the, it says, um, the lamp of the, the the eye is the lamp of your body. So if that, if that eye is good, then your body is full of light. But if it's not, uh, it's full of darkness. And, and I, what I said to you then is that, that your eye is a way of seeing. It's the way you see things It's your perspective on some things. So when your eye is dark, um, your whole body is full of darkness, says that text and so what? What I then said in November, I said, okay, what makes me think that I shouldn't be kissing rocks, or I, I shouldn't be five times a day praying towards Mecca? What makes me think that my eye is sound and theirs is not? Maybe they're right and I'm wrong. Maybe we're all wrong, folks. Um, maybe maybe you should get your kids over there and rub your little faces on those tables. Maybe that's what I mean. Maybe now. Somebody's got something really wrongly aligned. So, so I, I was so moved by this text about your whole body being full of darkness. I mean, is that what I'm doing to you? Am I teaching you stuff that's just making you darker and darker on the inside? By my so doing, that is by, by training you in a, in a way to view things and see things that's all wrong? So I said, "Then what I'm going to do is in January, I'm going to go, um, I, I'm going to try to prepare something that will help us just think through the differences um, and the truth claims of Protestantism versus Roman Catholicism and Christianity versus islam and we 'll get to Islam later but um and by the way we 're going to get to um, Romans later as well we 're going to cut Romans fourteen and Romans fifteen are still wonderful chapters, and we 'll come back to it when this is all done it'll pro <laughs> this is probably going to take this Roman Catholic and Islam thing is probably going to take a whole lot longer than I had originally imagined, but no one has ever really accused me of being laconic uh, uh, anyway so um it's probably going to be longer, but once we're done, we're going to go back to Romans and finish up Romans, Lord willing. That is, if I'm still alive and haven't had a heart attack and um, keeled over dead, which is always a possibility. Um, so that's what that's what we're doing. That's why we're not doing Romans. I hope you understand uh, what we're doing, what we're up to, where we're headed. Uh, we'll be here a few more weeks. And as I thought, I, it, it really got bigger than, you know, as I began to prepare for it, it got bigger than I than I thought. Now, there's got to be. Whenever you start something new, guys, you've got to you've got to lay some, you got to put down some parameters, uh, some boundaries, some some things that will, um, that will be a backdrop for the whole discussion. So I, I've got some introductory comments to make tonight. I don't know how many of these I'll get through, but um, uh, in terms of getting to the real. Meat and potatoes, it'll probably be next week before we do, and we'll and and it will be meat and potatoes because we're gonna we're gonna address the whole issue of justification by faith. And that is the meat and potatoes. It's the gospel. And that'll come up next week. But there's some things that I felt like were very essential that we say now so that I'm not uh constantly over the course of this Roman Catholic thing uh ask answering questions, the same question every week. So let let me try to clear away some things. Um that, that I hope will that you will not forget, as we as we uh, look at some very in, some very important things. Um, um, I'll, maybe I'll do that next week. Um, maybe I'll need it tonight, but we'll we'll do that later. All right, guys. First of all, it is it is hard to overestimate the the influence of the Roman Catholic Church in the world as we know it not just today but in 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 antiquity um, i don't know whether you were uh, i don't know if they still do this but when i went to university of tennessee of course this is in 1966 but the uh, the hardest course i had the first quarter i was there was a course called western civ and i, I mean the exam was just awful uh, if you've ever had a western civ course i mean this one but the the whole subject of western civ was what the roman catholic church was doing it is it is hard to overestimate the kind of influence that the Roman Church has had in the world, in the West and in the East. Now, <clears throat> um, I, I want you to hear this. In no way am, am I trying. Do I want to leave you with the impression that everything about Roman Catholicism is bad? Uh, there are some very serious, serious differences. But there, in no way do I want to suggest to you that, that everything is bad about Roman Catholicism. Um, uh, I don't believe that. In fact, there are some things uh, that, that I think she does, that is, Roman Catholicism does, that are superior to Protestantism. That's what we are, Protestants. I hope you know that term. For instance, the, uh, the, Roman, the the, 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 Rome's view of the Trinity is unshakable. Whereas in many Protestant circles, they're kind of really mushy over that kind of thing. You know, uh, I remember years ago, my dear father in law, and I, I loved my father in law, um, he was a, um, he was a Presbyterian elder. And he came home with a document called the Confession of 66. If you were in Presbyterianism back in 66, you might remember that god-awful thing. And I I didn't read it 15 minutes before I discovered that no one was ascribing deity to the Holy Spirit. That's heresy, ladies and gentlemen, and that's Protestantism. You'll never find that kind of mushy, um, Trinitarian work in Roman Catholicism. They're, They're far more certain about the Trinity than is many areas of Protestantism. Secondly, Roman Catholicism has stood against abortion with a much clearer voice than Protestantism has. You know that to be true. I mean we've got places all over the world, all over the place in in Protestantism that is they're they're very uncertain and unsure about whether abortion is murder or not. But not Roman Catholicism, folks. They they have been crystal clear in their offense, to our shame, to our shame as, as Protestants. Um, thirdly, her view of authority um, is purer than one finds in the independent-mindedness of, of Protestants. Guys, some of your independent thinking, you ought to get rid of. There is authority that the Scriptures outline. And uh, very frankly, in Protestantism, you know, if you don't do it the way I like it, then I'm going to go on down the street. You don't find that in Roman Catholicism. They recognize a, a certain authority structure, you know, which is papal and and the top down and, and can get ugly. But I'm telling you, they've got a pure definition and, and, and presentation of authority, legitimate authority that exists, that then does exist in the Protestant world. They 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 shame us in in their understanding of, of authority. Fourthly, I'm not sure I can rightly um, explain this, but Rome's connection to the to the splendor of classical antiquity. Um, Rome has seen the best. In in what is the classics and and has even gone so far as to redeem some of it, whereas Protestants are, are less connected to our classical past and have even veered toward the heresies of Gnostic dualism. Now, that's what I don't think you know much about, Gnostic dualism. But Gnostic dualism uh, saw the body is evil and the spirit is good. They they, they talk about, it's the the whole ancient discussion between the real and the ideal, Plato versus Aristotle, um, whether whether the the body is, and you know, in, in, in some Protestant circles, the whole idea of sex was bad, it was dirty, because of this bearing towards Gnostic dualism. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's error. Error in it. But Rome has has, has redeemed the classics. And, and there's, there's almost a sense in which Protestants, damn, the world is bad. It's all bad. Well, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you what. There's going to be a new heavens and the new earth. And it's going to be better because sin is going to be um, uh, eliminated. But we're going to occupy a world. A physical planet world. This thing is good. At least God made it that way. Sin has altered that. But Rome does better at that than does Protestantism. I would even say, fifthly, in terms of her doing better at things than we do, is even the confession or the confessional. You remember that thing, you know, where people go, in? guys, the Bible says confess your sins to one another. Now, unfortunately, the confession became a place where sin was also absolved. You know what that means? The man on the other side of the screen told you that your sin was forgiven. That's when it went to seed. That's not something we can stand. Um, And then the Roman Catholic Church gives you acts of penitence to go perform, to take care of the thing that you just confessed. Um, that is very unfortunate and very um, ugly. But in terms of having a place to go to confess my sins, Protestants don't have anything like that. And um, the New Testament seems to recommend that. Not recommend, (laughs) order it. Confess your sins to one another. When's the last time you did that? Where is there anybody in your life to whom you were willing and ready to confess your sins to? Anybody? Well, Roman Catholicism has a place where you can go and confess your sins. Now, of course, don't don't mishear me. It became something really ugly. But the idea of the confessional is not something, it's a New Testament uh, injunction. Nothing like it that exists in Protestantism. Now, so I'm saying to you, I am not in any way saying that everything in everything about Roman Catholicism is bad. I don't believe that, and I've just listed five things. I, if I'd have taken more time, I could have probably come up with a few more. But I'm trying simply to illustrate, I am not saying that everything in Roman Catholicism is bad. It's not. There's, a, there's several places where we can be co-belligerents. That was one of the words I wanted to write up. A co-belligerent. Don't you love that word? That was a Francis Schaeffer word. That is that we can lock arms with the Roman Catholic Church and fight abortion. We're co-belligerents in the fight against abortion. We're co-belligerents in, in a, in a um, pursuit and a defense of the Trinity. There, there's numerous things where we can, we can be in the same league and in the same battle. And in the same side of the battle. Now, one other, that's, that's, that's the f- first kind of parameter. The second thing is that I've got to establish this and I hope you will listen because I'm telling you I'm going to get this question every week until I'm done. You watch. I'm going to get it every week. Um, I am not saying by any stretch of the imagination that no Roman Catholics are Christians. Did you hear me? I am not saying that. Do I believe that some Roman Catholics are Christians? Darn tootin' I do. Um, So, don't come up and ask me, do I think... Roman Catholics are saved. Do I think there's such a thing as a Roman Catholic Christian? Of course I do. But here's what I will say. And I think this is ungainsayable. By that it's unarguable. It's inarguable. If you are knowingly. Thinkingly. Consciously. Consistent. With Roman Catholic creeds of faith, such as are found in the Council of Trent or in Vatican II, those are distinctly non-Christian documents. Now, I shouldn't say that, Non-Christian positions in those documents, such as justification by faith, which we'll look at in great detail, probably get to it next week. I I want to show you, but very frankly, some of you don't even know what the Council of Trent and, and, and Vatican II are. So let me, let me take a quick minute to explain what those things are. The Council of Trent, um, Trent was a city and I want to say it was in Italy, but it could have been in Germany. Um, it, it was a council that started in 1545. And it went till 1563. Now now imagine that—that's 18 years that this council took place, and it was interrupted three or four times. They had 25 separate sessions. There were there were times when the council was uh, the council was canceled because of war, and everybody had to get back home and fight their wars. Then they came back and resumed the council. The Council of Trent lasted for 18 years, over 25 different sessions, under three different popes. Any position that came out of Trent is called Tridentine. It's a Tridentine position. That's what I should have wrote up there, but I don't have the thing up there. So, with, Tridentine. It's, it doesn't have anything to do with gum. Um, it's Tridentine is just the, the the Latin term for Trent, which was a city, the Council of Trent. But there are statements in that council. Um, and we're going to look not, not really closely because the, the, the document is enormous. I don't even own the document, but um, statements about justification by faith that are intolerable. now Vatican II, Vatican I uh, took place in uh, 1862 I think um, 1858 to 1863. Um, uh, that's not right. Um, Vatican I was 1864, but by the way, this is kind of interesting. I, I, I think that if the council of Trent, it's, it's a big con flag. you know, people get together and they, they debate theological stuff. There were 255 people, um, give or take a couple of when, you know, whoever got the stomach flu, um, involved in those debates, 250 people. In Vatican II, that takes place in 1962, 1962 now, it took place in 1962 to 65, so it was three years long. There were 2,100 and a top of 2,300 experts involved and engaged in dialogue and debate over what was true. Um, Okay, here's my point. Vatican II takes place in the 20th century, 1962. It took place under two different popes, Pope John the 23rd and Pope Paul the 6th. Both of those popes have stated unequivocally that the precepts of Trent, the Council of Trent of the 16th century, continue to be binding to the modern-day Roman Catholic. That position has been reaffirmed. Since then, in 1975, by Pope Paul VI. What, what I'm saying is that the Council of Trent that took place in the 16th century, in 1560, uh, 1545 to 1563, the statements about justification by faith that are absolutely intolerable for people who believe the gospel, have been confirmed and and reissued. Or actually, they had not been reissued. It's just been that Trent, the Council of Trent, the Tridentine view of justification has been affirmed uh, as late as 1978. Now, let me go back. D- do I believe that there are Roman Catholic Christians? Sure, I do. But they are inconsistent with their own church's creedal positions. Because, let me say again, if you are knowingly, self-consciously, thinkingly aware, and subscribe to the tridentine view of justification by faith, You have eviscerated the gospel, and I and I am going to make that clear to you. I'm going to point that out as as often as I can. I I plan to prove that. Now, guys, nobody's consistent. Um, one of my heroes, John Calvin, said um, that n- no man was ever over seventy percent right. Um, well, you know. <laughs> We're not cons- we're not perfectly consistent with our own system in here, but if you are consistent, knowingly, self-consciously, thinkingly, with the Council of Trent and Vatican II, you're an enemy of the gospel. Now I've got four minutes. I'm going to say one other thing, and then we'll jump into stuff next week. I was raised in the Methodist Church, and in the Methodist Church, we 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 use creeds. Actually, we use the same creed when I became a Presbyterian. But uh, it's called the Apostles' Creed, and um, um, and it makes people it confuses people when it comes to this subject. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day, he rose again from the dead and, and suffered under Pontius Pilate. You, you remember that thing? Well, there's a, there's, a, there's a sentence right at the end where it says, I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, and the forgiveness of sins in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. I mean, that's the, that's the Apostles' Creed. It's that I believe in the Holy Spirit and the Holy Catholic Church. And so everybody then concludes, well, I mean, we're just all kissing cousins in this whole thing. We believe in the, we believe in the Holy Catholic Church, right there. You would say so, right there, in the Apostles' Creed, man. Name that good. We're just, all, we're just cousins. No, ladies and gentlemen. And, and one of the things that you've got to adjust is your terminology. You'll never hear me talking about the Catholic Church. Because I believe in the Catholic Church. And so do you. The Catholic Church, the word Catholic simply means universal. Do you believe there's Christians in Germany? How about Russia? Guatemala? Brazil? How about France? Uh, Italy? Uh, Canada? Japan? You believe in a universal church. You believe in the holy Catholic church. But I hope you don't believe in the Roman Catholic church. So don't let that term cause you to stumble. Um, It's not saying in the Apostles' Creed that we believe in um, the Roman Catholic church. That's not what we're saying. And if you thought you were saying that, then you need to change your perspective (laughs) because that's not what the Apostles' Creed meant. And I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, I do not believe you believe in the Roman Catholic Church. And what is so... It's going to be hard for many of you is I don't think you know just how bad it is. And it's my unenviable task... ...of informing you... Um, ...just how... ...stark... ...stark... ...did I say stark? I meant to say it more... ...are the differences between Roman Catholicism... ...and Protestantism. Um, so... ...I'm out of time for the tonight... Um, I got I got stuff galore for you guys, but we have to we have to set the boundaries. Did you hear? Primarily three things. Um, I am not by any means saying that everything about Roman Catholicism is bad. I did not say that, and if you reproduce me as having said that, you will have misrepresented me. I did not say that. I did not say that all Roman Catholics are non-Christians. I did not say that, nor do I believe it. Now, if you believe it, that's your bag. But I didn't say that. I'm saying, if you are thinkingly, knowingly, self-consciously, purposefully, consistent with the Council of Trent, as affirmed 400 years later in Vatican II, you're an enemy of the gospel. And then, the term Catholic is simply a term that means universal. It does not mean Roman Catholic. The Roman Catholic Church is the Church. Catholic is the thing we love and we believe in. I hope that clears it up. That's, that's all by way of introduction. We'll get to justification by faith because that's where everything is won and lost next week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, Would you help me temper my tongue and to um, not bruise anybody, but particularly your people? And would you help me to um, say things that will contribute to a healthy eye so that the body can be full of light, so that every Christian here can have a soul that is lighted up by the truth. And where I am in error, Lord, would you stop the up the ears of those who listen? But where I am accurate, would you uh, enable your people to not only hear it, but to adjust according to it? And um, we commit ourselves to that and do so in Jesus' name. Amen.